finally here, two weeks away from the start of the NBA regular season. Preseason starts tomorrow with the Lakers versus Warriors here in the Bay Area. I'm a little sad I'm not going to be able to go there. But then again, Sean, like we were just talking, why pay $200 to see Alex Caruso ball up? LeBron James just put his jersey on for 10 minutes and passed the ball just a couple times. You know, got to save the cash for the regular season when that starts up in two weeks. But this podcast episode, we're reviewing the Atlantic Division, second to last division to go before we kick it, before we kick things off uh, with the Pacific Division next week. Um, so no trivia question for you, Sean, but I do have a quick uh, tidbit here. Okay. Did you know that Darren Williams is still being paid by the Brooklyn Nets this year? Oh, you could have turned that into a question, man. Alan, How could you I? That? You could have been like, who are the Brooklyn Nets still paying that hasn't played in like X amount of years or something? I don't know. You could have That's done that. That's true. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't think of wording it that way. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a trivia question then, Alan. You're not expecting right. this one. I don't even have this in the show notes. <laughs> All right, so preseason has started, which we're really excited about. Um, there was a game against the Pacers and the Kings that happened last night or early this morning, um, depending on how you look at it. It was overseas, but who was the um, who was the leading scorer in that game from both? Like from if you had both teams, like who who had most points out of all the teams combined? This is Pacers and Kings. Yeah, Pacers and Kings. I feel like it might be a name. I don't even know what it is. Like you it know might the be name. As- you know the name. It's not a guy that's it's like not fighting that for tricky. a roster spot. I just, I just wanted to see if you knew. I'm gonna go with uh, Bojan, Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh you'd be right if he still played for the Pacers. Oh, oh. no, no! I mean, I didn't mean Bojan. What's the Kings guy? Bogdan. Oh, Bogdan. Bogdan. Yeah, Bogdan. I'm okay, talking about Bogdan. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Sorry, was it not that was Bogdan? just a little. No, it was not Bogdan. It was T.J. Warren. TJ Warren, that's, that's thirty rare. big thirty pointer against the Sacramento Kings, and it's their new addition that they got for essentially nothing from the <laughs> Phoenix Suns. I should have guessed it. <laughs> there it is. I don't know that. I I feel just frustrated thinking about the way that trade that that was a trade. The way it's just he was just given away, just given away, and dude, he's gonna have a good year this year. I have a good feeling. I think so, and I think a lot of these teams are going to be fighting with the Pacers, uh, notably the Nets and some of these other teams we'll name for, because it almost seems like I'm not sure who is better. I'm not sure where the Pacers fit into all this. I'm also not yeah. sure where the Nets fit into all this. Uh, but, you know, we'll break those down a little bit further into the podcast. But let's go ahead and kick things off with a correction here, because I also <laughs> didn't know about this with the G League free throws. I thought, regardless of the foul, the free throw was only going to be worth one point since it's only one free throw. But right. it looks like we missed a detail there that you get one free throw, but that one free throw will be equivalent uh, to two or three points depending on the foul. And I think this is even worse than what <laughs> we were talking true. about last week. I mean, last week we were like, oh yeah, one free throw, you get one point. If you only get one point, teams are going to just foul a lot more because they can just go and make an actual basket. But now it's like, you aren't you are not like you don't have to uh, take any penalty really for being a bad free throw shooter. Exactly. You could be a bad That's free throw. I... Make one free throw and it counts for two points. Yeah, I think. And then 
I mean, it's like if you're if you're just you might have. I feel like it incentivizes more for you to just play tricks, like more of those James Harden moves to oh, fool yeah. the refs. Because like <laughs> if you get fouled from the three point line and you only have to shoot one free throw to get three points, my God, that's a game changer. <laughs> that's I think such a game changer. <laughs> And on the flip side, like you, you actually get fouled on the three point line, and you only get one free throw, and you miss that free throw, you get zero points out of that. That's true. On the flip like, side, if you look at it, that just seems way too drastic on either side to make sense. Yeah, uh, I, I don't yeah, like it. I don't like it either. I, I think it's honestly worse than what we had originally talked about last week. And in either case, I don't think that this is a good rule to that should never be instated into the NBA, but. I, I guess that is a good thing that G League can just be used as a guinea pig for all these r- weird rules that the NBA tries to come up with. Yeah, I mean, we have our thoughts now, but once it's actually in action, I mean, maybe it does end up being like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> maybe it does end up speeding the game up. But at the same time, it would change things. Notably, like, I think Steph Curry called this out on Twitter. Like, what's the point of being, of the honor of being, you know, a 40 90 guy, 40, a 50 40 90 guy? Right. Um, you know, does that kind of take that away? And, and from totally. my, from my perspective, I feel like this would help bad free throw shooters. But I could I could see the flip side argument on 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 that that right. it actually hurts them because you get rhythm. When you miss the first one, then you're more likely to probably make the second. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely see his point, and it's not as ni- as good to get a ninety. Even if he was continuing to be a ninety percent free throw shooter, if you're only making one free throw instead of two or three. Like, that's just not as impressive of a stat either. So, yeah, it does tarnish it a little bit, I think. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see it in practice. I don't have high hopes for it. Yeah, same. But well, let's, see, let's see what happens. Yeah, for sure. You excited for preseason, Alan? Uh, I, I, like I was saying, I, I feel a little sad right now that I'm not going to be able to go to that first ever basketball game in Chase Center tomorrow with Lakers, mm-hmm. Lakers versus Warriors. If I was going, I would be really excited. But since I'm not, I'm definitely not. I'm not going to check it out on TV. Like, I'm going to be out in Tahoe. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, check, I'll of, check it out for you. <laughs> yeah, check it out. But, I mean, preseason's okay. I feel like the first five minutes of each game, you know, is exciting to see the guy, see the starting lineups out on the floor. But then after that first quarter, it really just becomes what it is. And it's essentially, uh, Games for to showcase some of the guys who are fighting for a roster spot or are fighting to determine where they might be in the rotation once the regular season starts. Right. I mean, these rosters are what like twenty people large at this point, or something close to that. And uh, we saw we saw a good example of that the Rockers Rockets versus the Clippers last night, and uh, that was an interesting game. James Harden actually played a pretty good amount of this game and was able to show off his new one footed three pointer. Uh, which has definitely led to a lot of interesting comments on social media, a lot, a lot of uh, people freaking out about it. And in this preseason game, he went to the line 20 times. So That's ridiculous. More, yeah, more of the same for James Harden. Expect the same exact man as you have in years past. And uh, Westbrook didn't play in this game, which is too bad. We would have liked to see that. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. Harden still being Harden. <laughs> yeah. I think the Rockets have a lot to figure out in these preseason preseason games to try to figure out. And the Clippers as well, just to figure out the rotation. So I don't blame them for not playing Westbrook. But, I mean, two went to the line 20 times. Yeah, what like, why are you putting your body out there so much, you know? In a preseason yeah. game, like... 
it just doesn't seem healthy. Yeah, and I also saw that he played it when they played against what is it? They played against the Shanghai Lions or something like that a couple days oh, ago. Yeah, the Shanghai Sharks. The Shanghai Sharks or some China team. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why he was out there too for that game, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but tomorrow, yeah, we got Lakers versus Warriors. I think that's going to be pretty exciting. I think Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to come out for the first few minutes or so to get the Chase Center hyped. I mean, it's a brand new basketball arena. They might be selling the most expensive preseason tickets in NBA history. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw tickets like $117 for like, the upper level. Yeah, like upper level. Like there, there's nothing under $100. It's all like either – I think it's 120 or above. So for a preseason game, Man. I think that's a that's crazy. It so is. I think – And you were, gonna, th- you were thinking of getting tickets if you weren't going to Tahoe this weekend. I was. I was thinking. I was <laughs> seriously th- – I was like 90%. Put it at oh 90% gosh. that I would be there. Uh, but, you know, get to save some cash. But still, nonetheless, I, I, think, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a hype game, but really, I think the Lakers are just going to be throwing it Caruso out there. Oh, They're yeah. be throwing a lot of these guys <laughs> try to figure out who deserves playing time as well as the Warriors. So I don't really expect anything notable or highlight to come out of this. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get maybe uh, one or two highlights of LeBron and Anthony Davis, maybe an alley oop here and there. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe a good a good sequence here and there, but. I mean, yeah, I'm going to try to tune in for a little bit of it at the beginning, but I'm probably going to turn it off pretty soon after. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine myself getting much out of watching the G League guys play, ba- basically G League guys at this point. Um, there's still some roster cuts to be made, and that's really what these guys are playing for. This is what these preseason games are all about. It's just who's going to make the roster. Yeah. So we'll see We'll see where that goes. But how about Clay Thompson out at least until the All-Star break? Up to 50 potential five games. 55 games for Clay Thompson. Well, I mean, I'm not really surprised by this. I think that was really the the original thinking here is that he would come back late February or early March. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal one. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we expected Clay Thompson to be out a while. Um, but it is kind of concerning that they would rule him out until the All-Star break this early on yeah you know? i guess that's true yeah. it's, it's like maybe it'd be like a wait and see thing normally but now you're like okay yeah he's just we're just gonna hold him out to the all-star break like we're not gonna try to bring him back before it shows that he's got a long way to go um mm-hmm. so we'll we'll see what his progression looks like i'm definitely not drafting him in fantasy i'll tell you that much and uh for the warriors it means d'angelo russell is really gonna have to pan out otherwise you might be seeing them having to make some desperate moves at the trade deadline if he doesn't yeah this it's a bummer for them 55 games but like i said i think i saw this coming and i think maybe they just do this just to sort of sort of create that expectation heading into the season that Clay Thompson is out and there's no point on writing stories and asking about it day in and day out to the team and to the That's guys. Yeah, yeah. You I know, it's trying that. to just set the standard that don't expect him to be out there. Don't, you know, reporters just would love, well, also just, these guys are just going to live for that question day in and day <laughs> out, I think. Like, when is Clay Thompson coming back? What's he looking like? You can't avoid the media, man. Instead, yeah. instead of them asking if he's going to come back today, they're just going to ask, is he, is he going to come back sooner than expected? 
every right, day. Exactly. Like, yeah, they're still going to be asking about his progression. Like, you can't get rid of the media that easily. <laughs> yeah. This is the interesting thing, though. The official NBA hides the rule that I assumed already existed. <laughs> right. But I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> this is all new to us. Yeah, but Zion being listed at only six foot six. So I guess the difference here is that he's being, he, this is the official height without shoes. So six for six. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty small. Yeah. That's small from like what we know, but I think, I think this is, this isn't going to be unique to him. I think most guys are probably going to get one or two inches shaved off that, uh, height number that we've all become normalized to seeing for them. Like maybe, I bet Draymond Green is probably just six foot six as well. Ooh. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure like how many people have actually been documented with their height yet, mm-hmm. but yeah, with Zion six foot six and this other one, Marvin Bagley. Only six foot eight. Yeah. And he, he doesn't look six foot eight too. He looks way taller than that, which is crazy to me. Like he looks like a seven footer. Yeah. Um, the thing with these guys is they, they still have time to grow. I mean, they're, I mean, Zion's still in his teens. Um, Bagley might be, might be 20. I don't know, but they're both still young. They could grow to be the height that they should be for the positions that they play. But that is surprising to see that these heights coming out and these guys not being as tall as they, we expected them to be. Yeah. And that's why I don't think it's that big of a deal because it seems like it's across the, it's probably going to be across the board for everybody. I don't think there's like, I don't mm. think. So you think like most people are six ten or actually like six, eight potentially Ooh. six, nine cutting it a little closer. I mean, again, these, a lot of these guys, this is without shoes. So, I mean, yeah, you throw some, some bigger zoom air pockets in your <laughs> Nikes and then maybe you get yourself to seven feet or six ten. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at six foot six, Zion, you compare him to, I guess, to like a, to, every, to all the other power forwards in the history of the NBA without, before this rule, then he is on the smaller side. But who's to say you, you, you implement that rule to everybody? Maybe he's not quite the anomaly. Well, maybe he probably still is slightly, but, you know, Charles Barkley was a successful player and he was only like a six foot eight power forward. No, he was, he was actually like six five. So he is, was he? Yeah, he was, he was a short guy. I know, right? It changes wow. your perspective on him because like he played like a big guy, kind of like PJ Tucker too. Exactly. Like PJ Tucker is like small, but he plays power forward every, like day in, day out for the Rockets. Uh, maybe this will change our perspective on like what a seven footer truly is. You yeah, know, maybe but, we'll find out that only uh, Bobin is the only true seven footer <laughs> in this league. <laughs> I, don't know, after, I don't know if you saw that picture with uh, Bobin and Kristaps uh, uh, standing side by side of JJ Barea. <laughs> oh yes, did I you, did see yeah, that. Yeah, that. I'm, yeah, I'd say Persingas is definitely up there too. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's yeah, that, ridiculous. That was a pretty awesome picture. I, I would be surprised if JJ Barea came in at like five ten. <laughs> that's funny because five ten is still pretty tall. I guess it's taller than the average guy. I think is it? Right? I, thought it was, the average, I thought that was the average. Was it five ten? I thought well, yeah, because I'm like five eight, and I feel, I feel like I'm pretty short. I was hoping five eight would be yeah, the average. Yeah, that's what I yeah, am. Yeah, five eight guys got to <laughs> stick together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's jump in right to the MT Atlantic Division previews and let's start it off with the seventy sixers here, Sean. Because I think it's clear that this team will be the best team coming out of this division with the leaving of Kawhi Leonard from the Raptors and the return that's not coming this year for the Brooklyn Nets from Kevin Durant. So what's new with the 76ers here? Right on. So the 76ers do look like the powerhouse of the East. I mean, there, there are some teams that are going to contend with them. The Bucks obviously still look good. Um, the Celtics are strong. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. 
Um, but the 76ers have to look like the favorite to come out of the East with these new additions they got in Al Horford and Josh Richardson. Um, they added a piece in Trey Burke too, but uh, he's whatever. The big pieces mm-hmm. are Josh Richardson, Al Horford. And in those pieces, you do lose Jimmy Butler, my favorite player, Boban Marjanovic. That's going to be a big hit. Uh, JJ Redick, also a big hit. And your favorite yeah. value player, TJ McConnell. There he is. That's going to be the real punishment for this team yeah, is losing that guy. Yeah, between Boban and TJ McConnell, just punishment all around. And man, this <laughs> this team really did make some big moves to stay in title contention. I mean, they were they were a couple bounces away from making the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and heartbreaking fashion to Kawhi Leonard. And you wonder what could have happened if things had bounced a different way for them. And uh, they have to run it back. They had to do what they could to keep the team that they had. They only had one max contract they could give, and they gave it to Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, which I think was a good move. I'd rather have a guy like Tobias Harris, a great locker room guy, willing to be that third man behind Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, uh, whereas Jimmy Butler is more of that alpha dog. They send him off to uh, Miami in exchange for Josh Richardson, which I think is an interesting pick up for them, uh, really trading in experience for youth uh, Josh Richardson's a talented player but he hasn't really proved a lot in his career yet um, so that'll be interesting and then I think the big one here and uh, this is something we uh, talked about a lot when it, the signing happened was 33 year old Al Horford getting that four year 109 million dollar deal I know you're not a very big fan of that Alan so no I'm not <laughs> a fan of bringing in Al Horford but I guess the angle of well Who's the guy who who played the best defensively in the in the NBA playoffs against um, Giannis? Again, yeah, against your guy. I mean, I guess it's Giannis. Or, or but, yeah, Embiid, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. against Embiid. Well, it's all Horford. Why not get Kryptonite on your team and then just neutralize that? I guess that's a that's an interesting angle to take, but still, I mean, I don't understand this addition other than maybe this is it. This is the only one that you could have chosen to give this much money to outside of, you know, giving your money against to your own guy and Tobias Harris. But I mean, it is what it is, and I think they'll come they'll come out really strong this year as a result of this signing, but I am concerned to see where this team goes in the next couple of years, because this is it all Horford Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris is going to be extremely hard to really m- make moves with this roster. I mean, all Horford's contract will become untradeable. I think <laughs> it's like going to be the same as the Chris Paul situation. Uh, yeah. I mean, ex- I mean, luckily for them, not to the same extent. You're talking about half the money that Chris Paul's making still, even though yeah. this contract is pretty ludicrous for a 33 year old. But this is this is their final gambit. You're right. Like this is their all in push. Although we thought last year was even that. This year's even mm-hmm. more so. They're in- Elton Brand. I think's done a great job as a GM. I mean, he's we, going for it. Yeah, we're gonna give him a little bit of bad rap for signing a 33-year-old Al Horford to this type of contract. But, I mean, overall, you have to just think, like, he's in, all in to win, you know? Yeah. Same, same way in, uh, that Daryl Morey is with the Rockets. Like, you have to just go for it. And if this yeah. is the roster you think is going to win the title this year, then that's what you do. And, I mean, he's constructed, I would say, the best starting lineup in the league. And you, have, uh, you could argue it's a top three like 100% of the time. I mean, Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, Embiid, there's no weak spots in this lineup. It's like, size. All these guys they can have, score. Size, yes. They have a lot of size, and I think you could also make the argument that this, this Twin Tower lineup that they're going to be unleashing against a league that's going small 
and Simmons guarding your point guard and Richardson <laughs> out there also being able to handle the ball and Tobias Harris, a guy who notably looked like he was going to start making the, the the transition over to power forward, but now he's back to, I think, his more natural spot, which is the three. Yeah. It was so you throw, you're throwing these guys out there. This is a pretty big lineup in terms of size and It'll, it'll be interesting to see how this works out for this team. But the thing about Tobias Harris is he was my favorite player, and I felt like he was the underdog. He was just like the blue collar out there. Mm-hmm. But now he he doesn't have that label no more, man. The five years, he's yeah, got no the consistency. <laughs> nope, he's not the underrated guy. He's not the guy in the shadows starting to come up. Now he is the guy. Like, eyes are on him. I think the 76ers fan base love this guy, and he's got to produce the five-year, $180 million deal. That's not a joke. Come on, Tobias Harris. And I think he could do it. I think he could do it. But losing Jimmy Butler... I think opens up an opportunity for Harris to take over as a solid, uh, solid scoring option for this team when it's when the the ball isn't running through Embiid. So I guess the my question for you after that is, what is doing it for Tobias Harris? Like, what does he have to do now that he has this max contract? Like, what what should we expect from him this upcoming season and for the next five years even? I think he has to be a legitimate second choice to close games for this team. Like a scoring guy, like a guy who can close it by scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you have Embiid, but I mean, teams are going to put their, put their best shots against him. And I mean, he's got to go in the post. And if the post isn't there, Tobias, ha- I think it has to be that second option. And I don't think he's been that guy in his career on the Clippers. I think Alnari and Lou, Lou Williams obviously took those roles a lot more. Last year was Butler and Embiid. And I think Tobias Harris. That's going to fall on him a lot more, I think. And I'm interested to see how he takes up, how takes up that challenge. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the comparison you're making kind of reminds me of like what CJ McCollum became for the Blazers. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the level that Tobias Harris has to get to as far as a scorer, as far as a difference maker. Like he has to be like a CJ McCollum level player. And he's he's quite a bit of ways off of that still, I think. Especially because CJ McCollum stepped his game up so much last year, especially in the playoffs. Um, and that's that's gonna be an interesting thing too, because Tobias Harris, from what we've seen in his playoff appearances last year, he struggled actually. Yeah. He he went the other way. Uh something we've we've mentioned in a previous podcast. He was under thirty three percent from the three point line. Um, is only averaging 15.5 points a game in the playoffs compared to over 20 points a game when he was playing in the regular season with the Clippers, averaging 42% from three. So very, very different numbers there. Um, you'd like those to be flip-flopped, honestly, if, if you were talking about wanting to win in the playoffs. So it, it scares me, honestly. As a, yeah. I, as a guy that also loves Tobias Harris, has, has reaped the, the riches of what he's been able to do as a player in the league, as a, as a Clipper fan, loved having him on the team and was heartbroken when him and Boban left. Like, I want this man to do well, but it really scares me um, from what I have seen, and that's all I have to go off of. Yeah, and I mean, it's his first time there in the playoffs last year. Let's not forget, he's been part of a bunch of losing teams. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. but it, it wasn't encouraging. That's what I'm, yeah. That's all I'm saying. And I mean, he's got to step up because if he's not, he's going to probably be that, that scoring op, that shooting op, because he is a great three-point shooter. He's a great uh, mid-range shooter. And losing J.J. Redick, I think, will open up yeah. that door for more plays to be ran through him in terms of like those pin-down type plays. So. 
I mean, this team is either going to miss JJ Redick a lot or they're just going to easily replace that with Tobias Harris. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes for them. I yeah. mean, I just can't believe he actually walked away from this, I know. From this like, team. From this roster, I mean, I guess there's no way that the Sixers could have paid him the same amount of money he was going to make with the Pelicans. I mean, two years, $25 million for JJ Redick. That's a very good contract. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he was tired of making the playoffs um, so easily every year because he actually had not. He has not ever missed a playoffs as long as he's been in the NBA. Yeah, and he's putting so much of that pressure to continue his streak on a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch people of young who, guns. <laughs> yeah, they're all like most of that roster outside of Drew Holiday probably is under like twenty three yeah, years old. Able to drink legally. Or yeah, no, most of them aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so for me, I mean, this team is definitely better. I mean, it's, well, it looks better. You know, you, agree, you essentially yeah. swap TJ McConnell, uh, for Josh Richardson, who I think is a better player. Trey Burke, you know, is a solid piece off the bench. I think all Harford adds a different dimension. I think the, the contract is bad, but the player is obviously good. So I think it, like I said, it adds a different dimension to this team. You got like a twin tower effort going on or at all times, you're going to have a great defensive big on the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's something we haven't really seen in the league. I don't know, probably since like the Andrew Bynum Pal Gasol pairings that the Lakers <laughs> yeah, would throw def- out there. Yeah, definitely. It does seem like the league is starting to pendulum swing back to that direction, um, mm-hmm. at least with a few of these teams that we're seeing. So I- I'm excited to see if, if this lineup can work for them. It's going to be slower for sure. Like, fast pace might get to them at times, but um, the talent is there regardless. Yeah. So. Sean, how far do you see this team going in the playoffs? This this is at least an East Finals team. It has to be. The yeah. Talent, the talent in this starting lineup is too immense. And I, I know they've lost some depth. Like, TJ McConnell is a big piece to lose behind Ben Simmons. They don't really have a reliable option if mm-hmm. something happens to Ben Simmons or, like, if he just needs – they don't want to play him 36 minutes a game. Um, JJ Redick being gone is, is a big hit, but I mean the talent there is just so huge, and I, we really have to we have to at least mention Embiid here because that's not a player we brought, but obviously he had an amazing season last year. Uh, was able to stay healthy for the most part, and yeah. if this if this is not even the peak for Embiid, that's a scary prospect too. So I have to think that Ben Simmons is at least going to get a better jump shot. Joel Embiid is going to improve at least a little bit, and now he's like the proverbial number one as far as talent and um, cares charisma. Because Jimmy yeah. Butler matched him in charisma, but now there's really no one to match Joel Embiid's personality. So he yeah. he is the face of this franchise for sure now, mm-hmm. and he's got to handle the spotlight solo, and he's going to have to carry this team most nights. Like he's going to be that number one option for them in the clutch. Yeah, and I mean, I see this 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 team going far because, I mean, really in the Eastern Conference, I don't really think there's a big man other than Giannis that can stop Embiid right now, or a team that yeah. really got Al that defensive pedigree. Yeah, yeah. Al Hor- that's yeah, that Celtic <laughs> tough defense being led by Al Horford, I think, really bothered Embiid a lot. And I think now that he's on the Seventy Sixers side, looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, nobody really has that defensive team presence to stop a big guy like Embiid. So I think I see them other than the Bucks with Giannis. But so that's why I see I I think I see this team coming out of the East. Honestly, I think I see this team in yeah. the NBA Finals. What what percent chance do you give them? 
I mean, I think it's. I, I would give him sixty percent. Sixty percent. Sixty seventy percent. Nice percent. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go fifty fifty. Uh, them versus the the field. Okay, think, that's I safe. Think it's, that's pretty good odds still. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I the Bucks are definitely the second best. But man, I just. I'm so excited to see what this starting lineup is able to produce because mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor, really, I mean, this the defensive um, ability of each of these guys is huge, and and yeah. they are huge. I mean, Josh yeah. Richardson is the shortest guy at six foot six. <laughs> it is crazy. Well, maybe he's not six foot six. I don't know if we know of his actual height yet, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's such a big lineup, man. It's it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it's interesting, and I mean, Elton Brand took a big risk by giving All Horford that contract to bias Harris that contract because if it doesn't work out chemistry wise or personality wise, that's a tough. <laughs> this is gonna be a tough, tough cap, cap amount of cap space to swallow right. for this that, team for the next couple four years. Yeah, and that's the storyline to follow. Is I think the window for this team is the next two years. If this mm-hmm. team can't win a title in the next two years. I think it's over for them because at that point, I think Al Horford's out. I don't think Josh Richardson's going to re-sign with them, and then right. you're stuck with a older Tobias Harris. And I mean, you'll still have Embiid and Simmons, but I don't think that's enough to win the title by itself. Yeah, so, you're going to be yeah. you're you're essentially going to be the twenty what the twenty fifteen OKC team where it's just ruled by Westbrook and Durant, but the rest of the roster is just depleted. You're, right? Yeah. I mean, you already see the depletion with McConnell, Reddick out. Like, this is it. Like, these next yeah. few years are, is what their window is. Exactly. What about the Toronto Raptors here, the next team who's just completely probably going sideways here? <laughs> I mean, I still think this team is a playoff team, but let's wow, what, what, what's, what's happening with this roster? It's tough for me to know which way I lean on that, Alan, but I'm, I'm going to make my decision as we go here. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll start with their additions, and the additions are not really helpful. Not in, in that case. Um, <laughs> they bring on uh, Cameron Payne, Rondé wow. Hollis Jefferson, and Stanley Johnson. So Cameron Payne and Stanley Johnson are two names who are, or a lot like Ish Smith, I think, where they're <laughs> like, <laughs> where it's like great comparison. Every time you stumble onto their name, you're like, wow, they're still in the NBA. They're just guys <laughs> that are like journeymen, but never get time, but still are just quite good enough to make the final roster, but never good enough to actually break the rotation. And I will always remember Stanley Johnson as our very first worst performance of the week. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> what was that? Was that three? That was uh, two seasons ago. Now when he shot like zero for thirteen. <laughs> had just the worst game ever. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Stanley Johnson that forever hold a place in my heart. <laughs> um, the departures are, are pretty bad. Uh, you lose the yeah. finals MVP, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Danny Green, also a big piece, and maybe the biggest of all, <laughs> Jeremy Lin. I wouldn't really say they lost Jeremy Lin. <laughs> Essentially, they just didn't want to bring him I back. Know, they did, just didn't I'm want really, Jeremy Lin. I'm so, like, uh, talking about Jeremy Lin for a second, I don't know why this guy does not have an NBA contract. I feel like he is good enough to be an NBA player. I don't know if it's a, a stereotype thing. I don't know. I don't this think is, so. Because dude, this guy works just as hard as anybody else, and we've seen what he's capable of. He can play in this league. I think he can still play, yeah. But I think if you're going to give a roster spot to somebody at this point, like someone that far down in the rotation, 
You might as well give it to a younger guy. I think that at least gives you some sort of upside. I mean, Jeremy Lin's that, not that's that I, old, though. It's not like he's thirty-five on his way out. You know, like he still has years left. He can play. Yeah, but he he has no upside. Yeah, but I sometimes mean, he's you way just past. Need, he's, you just need his to best know what days. You just need to know what you're getting from a guy, and that's that's all you need sometimes. You know, and like TJ McConnell, like TJ McConnell. <laughs> yeah, TJ McConnell is a decent shooter, and he's young, and he he's a great he's a great playmaker. I mean, I would, Jeremy Lin's a good playmaker. I would say as well. Jeremy Lin is at least as good as TJ McConnell. I always take TJ McConnell any day over, over current state Jeremy Lin. <laughs> I, I mean, if we're talking new, obviously, if we're talking younger Jeremy Lin, like Charlotte Hornets, Jeremy Lin even, I maybe I'd take him, but I think his days... It's not like he has a lot of mileage on him. I'd he, take he Alex barely... Caruso over oh, Jeremy Lin. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd take the upside of Alex Caruso any day over fail, current state Jeremy Lin. Just because Jeremy, Jeremy Lin did not play very well with the Lakers, that's the only reason you say that. He played decent. He played decent, but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He also didn't have the I mean, greatest. I'm just, I just, I gotta shout him out, man. Like, <laughs> I just feel like he earned, he's earned his spot in the league, and I, I feel like he's just not. He's gotten a bad rap. I just don't think he's he's he. There's a team that really wants what he brings, and he just doesn't fit in. As I mean, if he, he was a great, a great locker room guy, great work ethic, knows the game. I don't know what's not to love about him. It's not that there isn't anything to love. I think there's just more to love about other guys, mm. other dudes, <laughs> other players. Uh, we'll, we'll agree <laughs> to disagree on that. All right. But anyway, yeah, I'm talking about the Raptors again. I mean, it was a tough spot for them because, I mean, they went all in with that lineup they had last year and it paid off. Div- like, huge, like, they will have infinite return on that investment yeah. there. <laughs> um, having that NBA championship in the history books and because of that now we're we're uh we've moved on past the honeymoon phase of the NBA finals and now they have no cap space really to sign anyone of any meaning really um after Kawhi walked i think that was their their big play is like if they were going to get they weren't going to get Kawhi um they were just going to have to readjust everything like there right. was no way they were going to be able to replace him this off season um yeah. but they don't really have a lot of cap space um, offered to guys on the books for 2020. So next offseason is going to be their big play. Um, but Pascal Siakam will probably be taking a big chunk of that, looking for either a four-year $130 million deal or a five-year $170 million extension. And I don't know if he's worth it or not at this point. And I was going to say that. I was going to say at this point he might not look like he's worth that much money, but I think I think we all got to just buckle up because Pascal Siakam is going to have a hell of a season this year. And <laughs> well, I think we'll, I think when we revisit, revisit this question, we'll probably have a different opinion. But I'm with you. I don't think he's quite worth it, but at the same time, I feel like he would be if we asked this question four, four months from now. It's, yeah, it's really interesting to me because like, I don't know why I have reservations about Pascal Siakam. I mean, he's... Ball, he balled out last year. I mean, most improved player of the year. Scored, what was it, 32 points in the first NBA final, like 29 or 32 points in the first his first ever NBA Finals game. Yeah. He's shown he can ball out in big situations. Um, he can be a steady contributor during the regular season. And now he doesn't have to play second fiddle to anybody. He is the guy on the team that's going to be that playmaker, that difference maker for this team. And really the guy that needs to take that extra step for them. And I don't. I really don't know what it is about him that I don't really trust. You know, like I, th- I don't. I there's think, no reason. I think it's because he wasn't. He 
he didn't really come out of the gates the way he finished this this, this season. He kind of just progressively slowly got better through the season, took a big step in the playoffs. But he also had a lot of pockets of bad games in the playoffs too. I think it's his inconsistency, which I could I, that makes sense to me as a younger guy, as Pascal Siakam being a younger guy and really, um, fine, he's really just like he's unlocked this. I feel like hidden ability of his, and I think he just isn't doesn't know how to turn it, keep it on consistently. And I think that'll be the learning curve for him this year is to consistently be that number one option and bring the, you know, 20 to 25 points a night for this Raptors team. Right. Yeah. 20. Yeah, man, if he can get up to 25 points, that will be crazy. This, I mean, this team gonna, would make the playoffs if he averaged 25 points a game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think 25, but anywhere between 20 to 25, I think it should be realistic for this guy. I mean, he is, be, yeah. he's the, he's going to be essentially the number one choice here. Yeah. Number one option on this team. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Lowry is still a good player. Marcus All is still a good player. Um, so they have other guys on the team that can score. But, yeah, Pascal Siakam, he, he is, like, the default number one guy at this point. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to think about, like, why I have reservations about him. It's, I think it's just because of, like, the player that he is. It's hard to mm-hmm. identify what type of player he is. He's not a ball-handling guard. He's not no. a big man. He's not a do-it-all, like, LeBron James type, Giannis type. You know, it's like he he seems decent at a good amount of things, but he also seems like kind of a slow player, you know? Yeah. It's really weird to me. Like, it, it surprised me how good he was last year, and it it makes me feel like he might not be be able to be the player we expect him to become yeah i mean listen this guy's still young he's 24 look at this jump. i mean he made a huge jump from seven points in 2017 <laughs> to 17 I points know. in 2018 I, I know. I know. And, and he did it on 55 percent shooting like this is no joke and he's a he's seven rebounds as well three assists like i just think it's just a matter of him just not being consistent because I think this jump was so big and, you know, they made it all the way to the NBA Finals. Fortunate for this team, they had, a, they had Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Because there were a lot of playoff games where Pascal Siakam would blow up and really just um, take this team to another level. And then other times where it seemed like he would just come out looking like a role player. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, like, he still feels like a role player in my eyes. And, it, yeah, it's it's like... I don't know. I I guess the comparison I can make is Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Like Malcolm Brogdon still seems like a role player to me. And he's got a guy that's going to be thrust into a role where he has to be the number one guy. And with with these two guys, it just, it seems like it might be too much to me. Uh, That's my gut feeling. And it might just be this season. It could be like, it could be that it could be. Um, that's why I guess we'll ask that question again. Is he really worth that money? I think I do see him being consistent to start the year as he adjusts to this role as the number one option, best guy on the team or whatever. But I think at the, to close this, I think he's going to have a strong second half of the year. Okay. Yeah. That's my thought. I'm, I'm very interested to see how he does though too. And where he goes in fantasy drafts. And this is a guy, this is a guy I got an 11th round last year in a 14 team league. He's certainly going a lot higher than that this year. Oh yeah, he's gonna he's he's a top thirty pick <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah, but yeah, this so this next guy I want to talk about. He's actually the X factor that I've put in for this team. 
um, not Pascal Siakam. It's actually a much forgotten name, OG Ananobi. Uh, he was a guy we talked about a lot last season, Alan. I know you were high on him. I liked Ananobi, and he kind of just disappeared. Yeah, once. I mean, Kawhi was really – you can't get a much bigger shadow over you than Kawhi Leonard. I think exactly. that was the big thing. He was just relegated to a bench warmer uh, just in Kawhi's shadow and didn't really have a chance to shine a lot. Um, they couldn't really play him alongside Kawhi. He just He kind of was just that guy that filled in when Kawhi needed a breather. Um, yeah. And then he missed the last quarter of the year and the whole entire playoffs with an appendectomy. Um, so you couldn't really see if he could step his game up in the playoffs either. But now that Kawhi's gone, Ananobi's going to have to be that guy that fills in. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this guy really is. I have no idea. I mean, he looked like a bright piece for this Toronto Raptors team. But he was like a project piece even then. So he's just going to get thrown into a role that's even bigger than what essentially would have been if Kawhi Leonard wasn't there. So it's interesting to see what what to what could come out of OJ and Anobi. I I don't know. I don't know what to expect. He's an eight, he was an eight point guy last last year. Um, he he looked good. Is he is he truly a fifteen point type per game guy? I don't know. Is he a defensive? Can he actually be like a defensive consistent defensive option for the Raptors to throw out there? I'm not sure. We'll Maybe. see. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that's really the X factor for me. If this guy can step his game up. I do think that this is a playoff team. I'll agree with you on that. And if that's the case, I think this team can win up to like 45 games this year. But as it stands right now, I think that they're trending more towards 42 wins. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that still might make the playoffs, but it's going to be like an eighth seed. Yeah, and listen, the AC last year was I think forty two, forty one games right at that five hundred mark. So Mm -hmm. I think it'll probably be the same in the East. And I could see the, the, the Raptors taking this. I don't see 45 wins, but I agree with 42. 42, 41 is where I put them, where I'm yeah, putting them. Yeah, well, that's the, like 45, I think, is their ceiling. If, if Ananobi can become that like player that they I can, see. like want him to be, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's the ceiling. But um, my, I think my final question for you is, uh, can Pascal be an all-star this year? Yes. Yes. I think I think right. it's the possibility is there. I mean Goran Dragic was I mean granted <laughs> there's injuries but Goran yeah, Dragic right. guy I mean if this was the Western Conference I'd say this that would be tough but in the East yes he he, he has a legitimate chance I think. Okay. Yeah, I I will agree with you. I think he will be an all-star this year. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the team that's making the big jump in terms in a positive way though. It's the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. These guys really struck gold in free agency, adding Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, Tarim Prince, and Garrett Temple, losing D'Angelo Russell. Exactly. Just a bundle of two stars, two (laughs) top 15 players in the league, and Kevin Durant, a potential top five, top 10 when he's healthy. Um, but you lose D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb, Jared Dudley, Hollis Jefferson, the longtime net. But honestly, looking across the board, everybody that you lost, you upgraded with somebody even better. And Kevin Durant is just like the pocket change in addition to it. Like D'Angelo, Kyrie Irving, better option. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I think it's a better as a, an addition, a plus. Wilson Chandler, a plus. Tarring Prince over Alan Crabb and Jared Dudley, yes. Garrett yes. Temple over <laughs> Hollis Jefferson and Jared Dudley, I think so. Um, so you yeah. signed Garrett Temple to two years, $9 million deal. Pretty decent deal. Um, with the leftover change, you get 
four years, almost $40 million to a 30-year-old DeAndre Jordan, who last year was a 10-11 and 11 player. I don't that's know. That's better I, than Al Horford. That's true. That's true. It's way better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is it's a it's a bad deal, but you I mean, I guess DeAndre Jordan's worth ten million a year. That's not that bad. I mean, I think I would give him a two year, twenty million dollar deal, not four year, forty million. Oh, they want him to. He's he's Kyrie's and uh, Kevin Durant's buddy, man. They have to be there all four years together. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you have to bring him along to get Durant and Kyrie Irving, then I don't see it being a bad deal. But <laughs> I mean, I, I looked into it and essentially like in 2021, Jared Allen and Dinwiddie will be due for extensions. I mean, obviously this 10 million isn't going to be a big effect to, to, to the overall cap space then, but still just knowing this, that this is the team that you're going to roll with. And I think they're almost in a similar boat to the 76ers. Now that they committed big money to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, there is a question as to, to, to whether or not they'd be able to keep this whole team together uh, for more than just uh, a couple years, all the way up until 2021, when Jared Allen and Dinwiddie might be able to uh, might be might be calling for some more money by then. Yeah, I think with the DeAndre Jordan signing for that long, they're going to be cap locked for a while, and I think. You could see Jared Allen leaving in two years to get a larger deal somewhere else. I mean, yeah. it's just like it's not like DeAndre Jordan's super old, so they're still going to be playing him with pretty significant minutes, and he's proven himself as an NBA veteran in this league for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how they split up those minutes between Jordan and Allen. I really think that they should give Allen the starting minutes. That's I what I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't see any reason outside of. Kyrie just wanting to play with DeAndre Jordan that you'd play Jordan more um he's he's a solid piece uh, DeAndre Jordan has always been a good player I mean the Clippers with the Clippers he, he was an Iron Man he played like almost every game uh with them and he was also a pretty steady contributor outside of the free throw line obviously um and funny yeah. you say that he's actually gotten better from the he free has, throw line. Yes, he's he has a 79 percent shooters yeah, free throw I, shooter yeah I guess yeah sorry DeAndre Jordan I'm I'm using only historical data uh, <laughs> but last year was pretty miraculous is yeah. what i'll say but i, man, I like this, this i like the additions they've made overall though i mean even if kevin durant doesn't play this year with kyrie irving in there instead of d'angelo russell and wilson chandler torian prince and garen temple all great pieces i mean chandler and temple played with the clippers last year and were actually contributing members and mm-hmm. us getting to the playoffs and taking the Warriors to six games I think that's huge and then Torian Prince he always seemed like a pretty solid playmaker with the Hawks that really never got any like any fanfare at all Um, yeah I feel like he's a pretty talented guy I think so I mean especially for the deal he's under I mean essentially this team just added really great role players I mean look at the wing lineups that they have they have Joe Harris the the three-point leading champion, three-point mm-hmm. champion as well, yeah. 43% from three. And you got Tarin Prince, who's also a 39% three-point shooter with five attempts. Carrie Irving, Carice LeVert, Dinwiddie, awesome playmaker, seven assists a game last year, and Wilson Chandler. And then at the center spot, you got DeAndre Jordan and, and Jared Allen. I mean, it's your positions. Guys. <laughs> yeah, this is a solid, solid rotation. I guess the only thing you can nitpick at is they really have no true power forward on the roster. Uh, but I mean, you know, we were just mentioning it. That trend 
the trend towards a smaller power forward continues. I mean, you could essentially swap any of these guys there. I guess you could put Wilson Chandler at the power forward or Tarim Prince. Yeah, you could put either of those guys. And then, I mean, the long-term thing, Kevin Durant, obviously, yeah. can guard any position on the floor. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, this team, it, they look very good this year. Man, when Durant gets there, the depth is just incredible. The talent, the talent at the top is just incredible. Yeah, this, this team will probably be the favorite to win the title next year. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a epic battle, and I just cross my fingers for health from for Kyrie and Durant next year. So to give us just an awesome playoff series in the in the Eastern Conference, whether it's against the Bucks or the the 76ers. But or for Celtics. now, <laughs> or the Celtics, yeah, maybe. But for now, I'm not really counting this team out. And I honestly don't also know what this <laughs> this team's starting lineup could look like. <laughs> I mean, obviously you got Kyrie in there, but then at the two, you could put you could run with Dinwiddie or you could run with Joe Harris. Joe Harris I think might be the better option to put some put that great shooter next to Kyrie Irving and have the playmaking ability of Dinwiddie for the second unit. And then you have Lavert and probably Tarring Prince, I'm putting him there at the power forward spot, and then neither Jarrett Allen or DeAndre Jordan, because I don't think you roll with the twin towers lineup of DeAndre Jordan and Jarrett Allen. No, 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 not. I true, don't like that. Two true centers does not work. I mean, Al Horford likes playing the four, so he that actually isn't like a like two center lineup for the Sixers. Yeah, you definitely don't do it with the Nets, and I think that um, Lavert is going to get the start over Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Um, in this starting lineup, I think Dinwiddie's going to be that spark off the bench guy, that Lou Williams type for this team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Torian Prince at the power forward makes sense. And, and I, I gotta think Jared Allen retains his starting role. He really did nothing to re- take, like, no, no, oh, nothing no. to take away from himself last year. Yeah, he's gotten better every year. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, um, DeAndre Jordan having started X amount of years in this league. Um, coming in, maybe he's he's willing to take more of that bench role uh, yeah, for this team. Exactly. And the X factor for this team, I think if this team's going to break through their ceiling, it's going to fall all out Kyrie Irving, I think. Mm-hmm. This guy's yeah. 27 years old, deep. He's right in his prime. Um, I mean, he's had some health problems with that knee a couple years ago, but I think he's good to go. I mean, he's consistently a 24-6 and six guy over the last couple years on 48% shooting, 40% shooting from three. I mean, can this guy step up his game and take that point average a, a step further and challenge Damian Leonard for that second best point guard spot? <laughs> I mean, maybe he takes a giant leap and takes the best point guard title from Steph Curry. I think that's unlikely, but I think maybe challenging Damian Leonard is definitely in the realm of possibility for Kyrie Irving. And that would be pretty impressive, I, like especially just the level Damian Lillard plays at these days and He's not a guy that just backs down, you know. Exactly. Like he's gonna he's gonna be just as good as he was last year. Yeah, and I mean, Kyrie I, being in this new system that's it's, it's questionable. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but I'd like to see Kyrie Irving go for the scoring title this year, man. Wow, you really think not. he can get it? I don't know if he can get it, but I I would love to see him go for it, like really push it to 27, 28 points a game. Oh and, man, I don't. I, know. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Why not push for it? Mm. I mean, have Dinwiddie be your most your your stronger uh, playmaker, and have Kyrie Irving just score the hell out of that ball. Wow! <laughs> but anyway, me something to think about now. <laughs> yeah, but I do see this team either way trending up. I mean, I see them 
I, I think I could see this team really finishing as the fourth seed or fifth seed or maybe even challenging up to that third seed if Kyrie Irving has a great year and, and health is on the side for these guys. And I'm going to put them at 49 games. That's a good one. Um, I'll give them, I'll give them 47. Okay. I'll give them 47. Like, it's just hard to know with Kyrie, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to, I want to hedge a little bit because I know that he can just destroy a locker room completely. He is a character. <laughs> he is quite and the character. The thing. It's like, that's why I put Levert and Dinwiddie as potential busts this year too, is because of Kyrie Irving. Like, mm. If he does the same thing he did in Boston and ruins those playmakers' seasons, like instead of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, it's going to be Spencer Dinwiddie and Levert that hurt from it. Um, yeah. So if he if he doesn't change his attitude, you're just going to see more of the same from this Nets team. Like you see a lot of promise that never became anything because Kyrie just wanted it too much for himself. Yeah, I think this team still has too much talent to not be a playoff team. So I think at lowest. Oh, yeah, they dropped to an eight team. seed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like forty-seven wins is still a playoff team for sure. Right, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the the thing that happened in Boston last year is just a huge disappointment. And I don't know if I've ever seen something like that. I guess that's not true. I mean, the <laughs> no, Lakers, it, it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, there was. I mean, they had health on their side, and for the fact, yeah. well. I guess you make the argument that Gordon Hayward never had health on his side the last couple of years, but but still, yeah, you're right. You got Kyrie Irving in his prime. He's got a lot of young players who are also equally as talented, or not equally, but are also extremely talented. And for not not being able to lead that team further into the playoffs does seem like a disappointment. But I got to think the situation might be different in that you have Kyrie Irving who's now committed to this franchise. He signed the dotted line, whereas in Boston, he was still on that one year and wasn't committing to resigning. But now he's signed, so there, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be some emotion, a stronger emotional connection to this franchise. Yeah, well, let's hope so for the Nets' sake. I, I do think that this team has a lot of potential. And, and that we have guys on this team that we like a lot, and Levert and Dinwiddie, and we, we hope they do really well. So uh, let, let's take a trip down the road, though, back to Boston. Since <laughs> uh, we've been talking about Kyrie Irving so much, yeah, um, this this Celtics team looks interesting. You know, yeah. you lose you lose guys in Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. That's a big part of their rotation. That yep. that is huge. Um, they do bring in Kemba Walker, Ennis Cantor. Um, and they actually get Taco Fall, the big, the big boy out of uh, UCF, yeah, uh, <laughs> seven foot six or something like that. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, Kemba Walker, the great addition there. Um, you also draft two guys in uh, Grant Williams and Carson Edwards, who will look to make the lineup as well. Um, but I, the big story obviously is here that is Kemba Walker going to be that point guard that the Celtics always wanted Kyrie to be. Yeah, and I mean, the points per game are kind of almost at the same level, but I think Kyrie Irving's just always been that the better playmaker, the better scorer than Kemba Walker, despite what the points per game say here. I mean, Kemba Walker's still a quality piece, so I think as a result that Celtics didn't, aren't going to fall that much. But I mean, I still got to think losing Al Horford, Kemba Walker, and replacing Kyrie with just a lesser player in Kemba Walker. And I mean, Ennis Cantor... I'm not sure what you're going to get out of that. Yeah, <laughs> there was the center market was not very good. Exactly. Um, I, yeah. This this team is going to be soft 
softer, soft, the softest team, soft like Charmin, man. Like Kobe <laughs> says, soft like Charmin. And I mean, Marcus Smart is out there. He's, a, he's another tough figure for this team, but he's not going to be able to do it alone. I'm not so sure what you're going to get defensively from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown without the leader, without Harford's leadership out there and Manning the center. Yeah. And Marcus I, Morris. This is an interesting team. Gone. Yeah, Marcus Morris, too, I think being gone is going to be huge, too, because you don't only lose size at the center position, you lose size mm-hmm. at the power forward position. Exactly. So now when you're looking at a projected starting lineup, it's looking like it's going to go pretty small. Uh, Kemba Walker himself being like six foot, um, Marcus Smart being short, um, and then you're looking at maybe it's Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum at the mm-hmm. three four with Ennis Cantor as your starting center. Um, definitely not as impressive as last year. But the interesting part to me, and this is where I'll give some uh, give some credit to Boston, where they could maybe shine, is that just is Kemba Walker being a worse Kyrie better for this team as a whole? Because Kyrie, being as good as he was, we'll say, took away from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, blossoming into the players that they could become. I don't know, and that I mean that's an angle I've read about and I've heard other people take. And I don't know. I mean, there's different personalities. I honestly don't know what to expect with his personality mixing in there. I got to think that Kyrie Irving was an anomaly and he was there from the worst because he does seem like a strange guy. So does Kemba Walker fit in better? Probably. But does he, but is that a, a, is that alone enough to really make this still a, a good Celtics team? I mean, yeah, they're, they'll be a good team, but they won't be a great team. I think this is a team that's, I think, lesser than the, than the Nets. I'm not sure if they're better than the Pacers, but I think they're probably close to equal. So I still think, you know, this team will probably still finish as a fifth seed, fourth seed. They'll be in that running, but I, I still think it's a weaker team from last year. Um, and I think they're, they're headed for a first round exit. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, the X factor is an interesting one like that you you could put a lot of x factors in for this team right because they Mm -hmm. have a lot of young guys like you could think Jalen brown's gonna finally make that leap you could think that it's gonna be gordon hayward coming off of his injury um getting a full offseason to train i think the x factor for this team is actually robert williams the (laughs) third Um, the man notoriously known for missing practice for oversleeping his first day <laughs> on the team. <laughs> nice. Getting that nickname of the Sandman. Uh, <laughs> I did not know about this. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, this guy, um, not known very much for his work ethic, but <laughs> a, a very big talent. And Noel Horford means that this team's going to have to roll with Ennis Cantor to start the season and as you said, soft as Charmin there with Ennis yeah. Cantor. Uh, but Williams, I think, can be that talent to fill the center role for them. Currently sitting at third on the depth chart behind Cantor and Daniel Tice. But in very limited action last year, that's only eight and a, 8.8 minutes per game. He averaged a block and a third. <laughs> That's an interesting number. I like that. Like a yeah. 1.3 blocks per game with only almost nine minutes of play. If you span that across a 30-minute game, that's almost four blocks a game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, numbers aren't everything. And I'm also not – I've not seen enough of this guy to make a judgment. So, I don't know. But, I mean, the numbers are interesting. 
They're definitely intriguing. I think if you're looking for where you need to fill the holes in, it's going to have to be with this guy. With Robert Williams. With Robert Williams. I like this take. Yes. It's definitely not a (laughs) non-traditional take. I got to believe, man, because, I mean, you got point guard filled. You got the wings filled. The center is going to have to be the one that makes the difference here. Let's go, I, I, Robert Williams. Yeah, I would. I would still think that if Jalen Brown has a killer season, he will make way more of a difference than if Robert Williams goes out there and has his killer season. I don't know, man. or I Jason think, Tatum. I think just because the center position is so weak for them, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that, but still, I mean. To the point of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I mean, I think Jalen Brown is playing for his for his for his extension at this point, right? Isn't yeah. he? This is yeah, it. He, yeah, he's a unrestricted free agent after this year. Um, he, he's going to be one of the most highly coveted free agents going into the off season, or um, he won't be, or he won't be. Very yes. true, but he might be because honestly, it's pretty slim pickings next year. Um, from yeah. what we've seen, I mean, it's like what Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, like these are the guys at the top of the list right now, which is pretty sad to think about. Um, right when we so, when we're thinking about doing a show next uh, next uh, July. <laughs> exactly. Like I think Jalen Brown is at a crossroads right now in his career where he could either next year be playing, you know, for four years, twenty million dollars a year contract, or. You know, he might only command as much as like fifteen a year for a two-year deal or something like that. Yeah, that, so. that's the thing too. A lot, of, a lot of teams won't have a lot of money because pretty much all of them use all of their cap space this year. Exactly. Uh-huh. So there's a lot going to be riding on Brown's season this year to see what kind of a player. I mean, so teams can know what kind of a player is he. You know, is he a twenty-plus million dollar a year guy, or is he a ten million dollar guy, or fifteen? I mean, at this point, he seems like he's more like the mid-level, like fifteen, twelve, thirteen, fifteen million dollar guy to me. Yeah, he really never has taken that step. So, I mean, I have this team trending slightly down. Uh, do you agree with me, Alan? At a forty-six wins next year. Yeah, I see 46, 45, okay. like that range. Like I said, fifth or fourth seed in the NBA, maybe even sixth seed. I don't think they dropped that much, but they're going to be right there. Slightly less, lesser than the the Nets and lesser than the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I put the Pacers pretty close to this total too. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, with if Odalipo comes back healthy. Um, Robert Williams, though. Let's see what he can do. <laughs> Yeah, so how about we just end the podcast, I guess. Sorry to end it on a sour <laughs> note, but we'll end it with what was the worst team in the league last year. And this year, I actually think they made a good enough move to not be the worst team in the league, but maybe like the third or fourth worst. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're talking about the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden, the epitome of, of basketball. But at the same time, gosh, what a shame that we cannot put a decent basketball team in that in that stadium. So what they add is Julius Randle. Tosh Gibson, Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, and Marcus Morris. Power forwards on top of power forwards, except oh, yeah, for yeah. Alfred Payton. I mean, if you want to know why the New the New Jersey Nets don't have a single power forward, true power forward on their roster, it's because New York <laughs> took them all. Same <laughs> with the Celtics, too. <laughs> exactly. They, the division rivals took that position away from them. That was their strategy. Them. It's like, we'll yeah. just get all the power forwards and no one will have any. It's like, it's like in fantasy, if you're like, if I pick up all the tight ends, my opponent won't have a tight end to play. <laughs> but then you realize it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who do they lose? They lose, obviously, Porzingis, DeAndre Jordan, Super Mario, Noah Vonley, who actually had a pr- had some pretty great um, 
sequences of basketball for, oh, for a couple of weeks here and whatever. there. <laughs> I was surprised they let this man go. You really, but... you really think that's a big deal? Look at all the power forwards they brought in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would take Noah Vonley over Todd Gibson, I, I think, or Marcus Morris. Yeah, and was Emmanuel Mude, but it's a tough offseason. And, and essentially, if you're R.J. Barrett, Wow, you have <laughs> all the pressure in the world right now. And people are going to be expecting so much because at this point, this team has no really very little upside. I would say their upside is great role players in the Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and a Frank, Frank Nicolakina. I think at best these guys are just great role players, but I there's no star potential here in any of these guys. You know what's funny is that I actually completely forgot that RJ Barrett was drafted by this team because of how ridiculously bad their free agency was. It yeah. completely overshadowed any decent move they made beforehand. Uh, RJ Barrett being that decent move, I, I was just like, yeah, this team's got nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they might I'm- still have nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, RJ Barrett, we're talking about a 19-year-old kid here, and I don't... I mean, so that's the X factor here, essentially, is RJ Barrett. If he can come out and have a Donovan Mitchell-type season out the gate, scoring, just being the number one scoring option for this team, then, yeah, they're pretty good. But that still only probably gets them to, like, I'd say 25... Maybe twenty eight wins. I don't even wow. think they eclipse thirty wins. wins. Man, that's really generous. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I think RJ Barrett. I think he's gonna take some time. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a decent season for a rookie. But I think it's gonna take some time before we really see the best of him. Or maybe we don't. Maybe he's just the next Jabari Parker. And it's just impossible. <laughs> There's just no like he has nothing to work with here. You know, it's like at least Donovan Mitchell had like a good coach, good ownership, right. a solid team around him. RJ Barrett really has nothing to work with here. Yeah, I mean, I could see there being a lot of egos for playing time here because you got a lot of redundant pieces. <laughs> yeah. I think the best piece here is probably just Julius Randle. And I think Julius Randle, you know, he went for the money and, and I applaud him for that. I mean, I can't blame him for that. And I think yeah. he's also in a good position, you know, to maybe make be on that tether line to become an all-star coming out of the Eastern Conference. Ultimately, I don't see him doing it, but I think he's going to be that guy who's just like left out that you could make an argument for, but ultimately just isn't there. The reason you can't make an argument for him is because teams team. that have won 10 games by the all-star break do not get to be in the all-star game. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what's going to end up happening for him. But hey, I mean, Julius Randle's at 24 years old. He had a solid season last year, 21 and nine, and I think he's only going to get better from here. He's got this deal with New York, but I could see him, you know, really having the best years of his career somewhere else. And I think those are on their way for him. Um, so this team, at the end of the day, you got RJ Barrett, 23, seven and four guy at 19 years old last year at Duke. I think he comes out and he has a decent season, but no rookie of the year type year. I don't really see him being a, having a Donovan Mitchell type season uh so with all that being said you had a bunch of power forwards julius randall i think they still trend up not quite the worst team in the league but i still stick them with 25 wins this year okay well i'm gonna have to go like 22 wins yeah all right yeah and i I gotta give a little bit of props though to mitchell robinson i really (laughs) think i do think this guy's gonna break out this year i do too i think he's gonna have a solid season yeah, I mean, just much like Robert Williams, he's going to average four blocks a game. If you, give, <laughs> if you give him enough playing time, just watch him go. 
Yeah, I think uh, an interesting story for this team, though, is this team has until October 31st to accept Frank Nikolakina's, uh team option worth $6.2 million. And it seems like these options get picked up all the time for guys that are top 10 draft picks. Yeah. But it looks like Frank is not <laughs> It's not looking out. promising for him right now, I think. Yeah, I mean, 18-year-old coming out of France uh, in the draft and really... Never really got the opportunity there. Never really took advantage of when he did. Also, just being in a terrible situation, being on the Knicks. Uh, yeah. he, he did. Pre- he was playing pretty well for the French national team. Yeah, um, he had a couple FIBA. good performances yeah, he in had FIBA. A good performance there, which it just leads me to believe that it's just not going to work out with him on the Knicks. Like he needs to just go elsewhere. I think so, and I think he. And I'm, you know, I said this before. I feel like he's he's. He seems like the type of guy I think that would have benefited staying one year, one more year away from the NBA, either whether either going to college or staying in the Euro League. Probably the Euro League would have been Probably, best. Yeah. But I think he did come out of just slightly too early for the NBA. But, yeah. Man, this is just a mess. This whole team's just a big mess. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the big question, too, at the end of the day for this team, for a storyline to follow, is can the Knicks avoid being the worst team in the league? I think so. I think there's some worse rosters out there I'm seeing. I'll give it a 50-50. Yeah, I think the Suns are pretty bad. This, the Hornets. The Hornets are terrible. I, honestly, I don't think the Suns will be the worst team in the league. You're, I'm hearing rave reviews about DeAndre Ayton coming out of camp. All right. Yeah, I mean, the Hornets are terrible, though. Yeah, so the Hornets are terrible. Them. Yeah, it's going to be the Hornets or the Knicks. That's, that's, all my, it, that's my opinion. Yeah, and it only takes one Chris Paul injury to make OKC the worst team in the league, I think. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. That that could happen. And, he, yeah, he might not even play very much with them anyway. Exactly. So final thoughts to close the podcast off. Shout out to Governor Newman, Newsom, California. Is that how you pronounce his name? California yeah, Governor Newsom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who signed the NCAA uh, the, the California law uh, allowing athletes to be compensated for their likeness, uh, despite what the NCAA sa- says, into California law. Won't take effect into 2023, uh, but the governor did step foot in LeBron's The Shop Show to, <laughs> to discuss the discuss the new bill. Um, yeah, solid piece. I really didn't yeah. think this was going to pass, but here it is. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you were doubting that they were going to defy the NCAA here, but there he goes. He's, he's stepping in with LeBron and going forward with this law and we'll see what chips follow i i think i saw something about an ohio senator also like trying to get this into the federal system and try to make it just all the states um are gonna abide by the same thing so there's already some ripple effects you're seeing from this so it's pretty exciting yeah so we gotta cut so the ncaa has a couple years to either adapt or maybe they're forced to adapt with other states pushing with their own legislation so we'll see where that goes but thanks everybody for tuning in and next week we got the final division preview with the pacific division right sean oh yes the one we've been waiting for the whole time we might dedicate an entire two hours to it (laughs) i'm just kidding no one one wants to listen to it that much except for us maybe (laughs) yeah exactly but i'm excited for that Uh, preseason continues and we're only two weeks away from the start of the nba season and i'm excited just thinking about it so thanks everybody for tuning in yes sir have a good week everybody